Romans 8.15 says, You did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Welcome to Spirit of Adoption Radio, where we soar above all the darkness of this world and see things in the light of God's eternal perspective. Now, here's your hosts, Kevin and Tabitha Lavelle. Everybody, shalom. We're so thankful and blessed that you would choose to join us today for episode number 75 of Spirit of Adoption Radio. I'm Kevin, and with me as always is my dear wife, Tabitha. How are you and your Savior doing today, Sphia? <laughs> I'm happy and blessed. Amen. Mm. And he's happy to have you as his daughter. Amen. I'm happy Hallelujah. to be his daughter, Whew. for sure. Filled with his goodness? Yes, absolutely. Lost in his love and found in his love. Yes, and I think about that testimony in the word that talks about, you know, he who is forgiven much loves much. And that is my story for sure. Amen. So on today's show, we want to continue talking about testimony. Amen. And then we're going to share a special testimony, one of my favorites. It's called the Sphia story. <laughs> yes, amen. You amen. could sing that song. This is, this my, is story. my story. This is my song. Mm. Praising amen. my Savior all the day long. Amen. And you only have blessed assurance as you abide in Christ. Amen. Then you have blessed assurance. Yes. Because it's in Christ, right? Yes, amen. Amen. So, What's one of the first things that we do, dear, whenever we meet someone who says, I'm a Christian, I know the Lord? Mm, Yeah. What do we do? Well, usually I want to hear their testimony. Mm -hmm. Like, it's so exciting to me. I want to know, like, so where did you come from? Like, what happened? How did you get here? You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And every child of God should have one, right? Absolutely. A story to tell. That's mandatory. singing, this is my story. Yes. It's like that hymn. I had a hymn as I was preparing for this. I love to tell the story. Mm. I love to tell the story of Mm. unseen things above, of Jesus and his glory, of Jesus and his love. That's beautiful. Yeah. Isn't it? It's a beautiful song. And you love to tell the story because the love of Christ has come inside of you, right? Mm. It will be my theme in glory. Mm. Hallelujah. If the Lord comes in your life, then something's going to happen. Amen? Yes. You're going to have something to share. 
mm-hmm. about that, aren't yeah. you? There's going to be a change. Yeah, absolutely. Everything changes. Amen. But there's going to be a change. So I think of the Apostle Paul mm. because he was God's example of this powerful change. Yes. Powerful. Mm. So he was Saul and he became Paul. Yeah. And so did a change happen when the Lord came in his life? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Big time, right? Yes. And did he have a story to tell? Mm, absolutely. Yes. And he would tell it whenever he had opportunity. And I actually think he was looking for opportunities yeah, to tell it. I think so. Don't you? Yeah. So Colossians chapter four, verse five in the New King James Version, which is what we typically use, says, walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. But I like it even better in the amplified version. Mm -hmm. Listen to this Colossians chapter four or five. It says, Conduct yourself with wisdom in your interactions with outsiders, that's unbelievers. Make the most of each opportunity, treating it as something precious. Mm, That's so sweet. Isn't it? I love it. And I think that captures the meaning of it. Mm, It does. I like how it says, Make the most of each opportunity. And that's what the Apostle Paul was doing. He was making the most of each opportunity. He was looking for opportunities, but he was also looking forward to them. Mm, He wasn't just looking for them, but he's looking forward to them, like excited Mm. to have the opportunities to testify of what God did in his life. Yes. It's like he couldn't contain it. Amen. So we see that in Acts chapter 20, 22 to 24, the Apostle Paul says, and see, now I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city saying that chains and tribulations await me, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Mm. And we see exactly how he did this in Acts chapter 22, verses 1 to 21. He did this by sharing his actual personal testimony. Mm. So when he went to Jerusalem, that's what he did. He shared his testimony. Yeah. He recounted the very things that happened to him. Mm. And they listened to him. Yeah. And they listened even as he named Jesus, Yeshua. The Jews were listening until he got to the very end when he said, then he sent me to the Gentiles. Mm. Then they got upset. <laughs> right. They started turning their clothes and they said, away from the earth with this man. You know, they wanted to kill him. Um, so, but he shared his testimony. That's the very thing that he did to testify to the gospel, the grace of God. And so then we see in Acts chapter 23, verse 11, the Lord Jesus told Paul that he must testify in Rome just as he testified in Jerusalem. Mm. So how did he testify in Jerusalem? By sharing his testimony. That's right. I believe he got to testify before Emperor Nero of what Jesus Christ had done for him. When he appeared before kings and rulers and he would testify, he would share his personal testimony. Yes. And he would look forward to it. Yeah. It was the power of God in his life. Mm. And so he made the most of his opportunities to testify and we should copy him. So in Philippians chapter four, verse nine, the apostle Paul says, the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. Mm. I can hear him do that in scripture, Mm. (laughs) right? I read of him doing that. Amen. And I want to do it. Yeah. Whenever the Lord gives me opportunity, just like the Apostle Paul. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, he says, I urge you, imitate me. 
Mm. Imitate me. Yeah. And so that's one way we can imitate the Apostle Paul. Yes. Is be sharing our personal testimony. So now it's time for you, dear, to do as Paul did and make the most of this opportunity that the Lord has given you, dear, to mm. testify to the gospel of the grace of God in your life and share the Sphia story. Amen. I'm excited Amen. to do that. You ready? Yes, I'm ready. Amen. Okay. To begin with, what was it like growing up as a pastor's daughter, or you say PK, yeah, preacher's kid, but I don't like the word kid because a kid is a baby goat, <laughs> you know, and we're not supposed to be goats. We're supposed to be sheep. Right. So maybe a PS, a pastor's sheep, <laughs> or, you know, instead of pastor's kid. So and you, yeah. can, you can start there and share. So PK is a term that most of us growing up in that life know mm. very well because you get called the PK, you know. Mm. Um, oh, is that a, I thought it was a promise keeper. PK? No. <laughs> that is one too. <laughs> but um, I grew up as a pastor's daughter living in a home where really I learned a lot about the Bible. Um, I went to Christian school. I sang all the hymns. I, you know, went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, pretty much. But in a lot of ways, our home was not Holy Spirit governed, you know, so there was a lot of the world really growing up in the home that I lived in. Um, You know, there were influences like MTV, romance novels, you know, all these things were allowed in our home. Our listeners might be confused at that. Yeah. Saying you were a pastor's daughter. Right. So how could it be that you're a pastor's daughter, but the pastor is allowing such evil in, in the home? Well, there's just a lot of things growing up that I saw, which really gave me a good picture of the lukewarm church from the Bible. Um, so when I was really young, though, I had a really soft heart towards the things of God. Um, I really actually loved my summers getting away from home and working at a Christian camp. And there was just a lot of really beautiful influences there. That's where I really got a lot of the influence of the Lord in my young adult life. Um, So there were true believers there worshiping, praising God, studying the Bible, you know, and just everything was all about worshiping God. And I remember worshiping the Lord, even at that young age, you know, just kind of before this was, I wasn't born again yet. But I was really enjoying like worshiping God and I was, yeah, I was being drawn to the Lord and I would have these moments of really, you know, actually seeking God. So, you know, I, I definitely think that part of my testimony is like backsliding away from that, Mm -hmm. but also never really truly getting to the point of being born again and washed completely of my sin. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there were lots of really beautiful influences and really beautiful moments in my uh, young adult life and things that were like seeds in my life that I really knew that I was going away from Mm. when I left and went kind of crazy in my sin. You know, I knew I was leaving something really good right there. Mm. But at the same time, I saw a lot of hypocrisy in my life. And so a lot of my own path was a path of rebellion against everything to do with that whole churchianity maybe. And and I don't want to say my whole home life was terrible, you know, because right. there were a lot of really great times, you know, in my family and a lot of love and a lot of care and a lot of hard work and different things like that. But I have to speak the truth about just the spiritual side, the spiritual side yeah, of spiritual things side. And, and the type of things that I grew up with. So, you know, in my own heart, this rebellion was kind of working towards a perfect storm. So you got tired of the hypocrisy and what what happened after that? 
Well, I think in that state, a lot of us make excuses for our sin. And I think my excuse at that point was like, you know, I don't want to be this. I'm not going to be this hypocrisy that I've seen in the church. You know, I'm definitely, if I'm going to be real, I'm going to be 100% real for God. But if I'm going to be evil, I'm going to be 100% evil. I'm not going to be anywhere in the middle of this. So and you're not going to follow that example that was in your home. Right. It was like in my mind, in my heart, it was like I didn't want the lukewarm thing. Yeah. I wish you would have uh, followed the example at the, the camp. <laughs> yeah, I know. I do too. <laughs> that would have like, been better if you I, followed that example. I but, so wish. I, but the enemy was at work. Yeah. Yeah. The enemy was at work in my life, big time, just confusing me and leading me to actually when I was 16, mm. I ran away from home. Mm. And I began working in a city nearby, um, which I, I was living in the country when I ran away, and I moved myself to the city. I was 16, I had a car, and I decided that I was just going to work and um, see what happens. And I had been influenced by you know friends that were really going the wrong way. Actually, I had an older friend who was influencing me in a really negative way during that time. Mm -hmm. um, so when I ran away, I was kind of just like definitely going to the worst crowd you could ever go to. Like I wasn't just going to like innocently go mm -hmm. play around in sin. I was actually going like head first deep dive into the enemy like, was drawing you so yeah. the, the lord was drawing you at the campground yes into worship and the enemy was drawing you into the city he was right into, into the worship of darkness the worship of darkness yeah. and i found myself working night shift at a restaurant waiting tables all night long and then in the daytime i would use my tip money to go get a hotel room and I would find myself going friend to friend, sleeping around, just doing whatever felt good for the present time. Mm. And that is what led me to a very self-destructive path. The friend that was kind of influencing me at that time, she was a lot older than me. And so she was introducing me to a lot of like older men. And, you know, through her influence, I began to get really street smart and in a bad way, you know. Right. Yeah, and they say street smart, but... It's the enemy's smarts. Enemy's smarts, you yeah. know, and just getting heavily involved in gangs, actually. Um, you know, so this led in my life to a lot of theft. I actually got to a point where I was dealing drugs, um, you know, just everything that goes with a very destructive lifestyle. Thankfully, God protected me from actually getting involved in heavy drugs myself, mm -hmm. um, which that is supernatural because of the crowd that I was with and everything. I never got involved in some of the heavier drugs, which to me, that's a miracle of God's protection. God, you might not be here right now. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And and another protection of God in that state that I was in was that I never actually got to the point of being initiated into the gang that I was running with. And that was really by the grace of God too, because I had gotten pretty deeply involved. But when I realized what was going to be the initiation to get myself completely fully into the gang, it was so satanic and so evil that I had this thing rise up in me in my conscience. Like yeah, your conscience wasn't seared yet. The first Ooh. thought that I had was, no, this is not love. Like what they told me I was going to have to do to get in the yeah. gang was not love. And oh, I think that was the Holy Spirit even. It was. Yeah. It was. It was him just mm. like, this is not love. And, you know, so I 
suffered a lot of the effects of sin during that time. I mean, I, I had 40 ounce bottles thrown at my head that I remember skimming past my ear that could have crashed into my head just mm. like super fast. Ooh, um, life and death. Right yes. There. I mean, right. I had suffered through beatings. I had guns pulled on me. I remember at one point being beat by a 35-year-old man. I was 16 or 17 at that time, and I was backed up against a, a fence getting myself beat. Um, just so many things like that. And all the while that this was all going on, mm-hmm. my heart was just becoming more and more hard. And I also had thoughts in the back of my head that, you know, this wasn't permanent, that I was just doing this for, for a time because this is fun and everything. And, you know, I would one day I would turn back to God, but it wasn't all fun. You know, the enemy tries to like tell you that, oh, this is going to be so fun. But like, think about the things that I just listed and they're not fun. You know, these things are not fun going through them. It's a stick of dynamite. You know, you think it's a sparkler for a little while, but that that time's running out and it's going to explode. Yeah. And so there's pleasure in sin for a little while and then you have consequences. Right. There's consequences all along the way as you're in sin. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right. Just the fun runs out and then boom, and then you go at it again. The fun runs out, boom. The wages of sin is death. That's right. You know, and the little pictures of death that were happening in my life were like foreshadowings from God. Like, you know, I had very near death experiences being, you know, at gunpoint and different things like that. And it's like, you know, it's very scary, but it's also these are foreshadowings of where your eternity is taking you. Yeah. To pain. Yes. Pain and suffering. Short term pleasure equals long term pain. Yes, definitely. And in my mind, I knew that I didn't want to settle down and marry any of these thugs, you know, in the circle that I was running with. I just really had this deep cry in my heart for more. But, you know, at the same time, sin is like a sticky trap. Mm. And it was just as difficult getting out of that as it is trying to get yourself out of quicksand. Yeah. You know, and it's like the more you struggle in sin, the deeper you sink. You need a savior. Yes. And that was my that was my thing. I was just struggling and going deeper and deeper. Mm. So when you were living that life of sin, would you say you were confused and thought you were a Christian with your church background mm. being raised as a, a PK, like you said, or or were you pretty sure that you knew where you were going and it wasn't good? Yeah, well, I was in a way very confused. Mm. Um, I would have called myself a Christian going through that because in my mind, a Christian was something that you believe in your head. Mm. So I was very confused about that topic specifically as I was going through that, but I knew I wasn't right with God. So if being a Christian means being right with God, I knew I wasn't that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, one night I was actually partying in Reno and there was a street preacher on the corner Mm. and he said something very convicting he saw me out there as he was preaching and I was crossing the street, but I remember him kind of specifically sort of like pointing me out and I answered him and I said, you know, I'm a Christian. And then he responded to me and he said, well, then what are you doing out here? And to me, that was the most powerful thing that he could have said to me. And the Holy Spirit knew that. And I never forgot those words. In fact, they would play like over and over and over in my head for a few years, really, until I finally surrendered myself to God. Mm. But it was 
so powerful. Like, I don't know. Praise God he was out there, huh? Yes. Praise God for his obedience to go out to that corner that very night. Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. I just kept hearing it. That speaks to me. Yeah. (laughs) I kept hearing it over and over and over in my head. What Mm. are you doing out here? Mm. What are you doing out here? And it was the first time that really this connection happened in my brain that being a Christian had to do with my life. Yeah. Like, how am I living my life? Yeah. And- Not just your head. Yes. And I was- Just living in such a delusion, you know, in my heart, I thought that I would have a lot of time to repent, you know, but all the while I was playing with fire. And at one point I was um, with a drug dealer and there was a bunch of guns hidden under the backseat of my car that I had stolen. And one of the drug dealers got a ride from me and took one of the guns and stole it. So later on, probably like a week later, that same gun that was stolen from under the seat of my car was pulled on me and I was facing gunpoint. And so that's what I shared earlier about being at at gunpoint. But, you know, there was a little bit of a, you know, heated standoff type thing and then no shots were fired, but the police were called. And that was just one of those near-death experiences that I faced. And if I would have died in that state, I know now I would have suffered the consequences of my sin and hell. I would have. And it's really scary to think about that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's good to think about that for me. It is. Because that is one of the things that keeps me in the love of God. Yes. It's like, I am one of those that have been forgiven much. Snatched out of the fire. Yeah. Yeah. Totally snatched out of the fire. You know, at one point I was fleeing from trouble and I ended up moving to Arizona and I was getting out of the gang influences. So there were a lot of good things in the move to Arizona. I was getting away from a lot of really, really bad things in the state that I was living in at that time. And I met a guy there. He was an older ex-gang member, um, more settled down and not really running the streets. And eventually I moved in with him. This is a sinful relationship. So there was nothing good about it. And I lived in that state for a few years. Um, There was a point, though, that I got out of that relationship. I sort of like broke up with him. And I had kind of gotten to the point where I got really sick of my sin in Arizona. So I moved out of that situation, got myself an apartment. I was living in this apartment, but you know, sin was still going on in my life. I was still partying, still going to the clubs, but I had removed myself from the relationship part of things that was starting to go bad. He was a drunkard, so he would drink all the time and you know, I ended up moving out of that situation. I lived in this apartment, and it was there in that apartment though, even though I was in sin in that apartment, I remember everything was just sin all around me. But I remember that God was starting to speak to me there about getting out of it, like l- literally leaving everything behind. Amen. And so I was Thank in Ar- you, Arizona and I decided all of a sudden to drastically, literally just leave my apartment and leave every single thing in that apartment except like a few clothes and that was it. And I remember at that point, God was really like bringing me out of that but I wasn't born again yet, right. but I was still, I was obeying that conviction that I had. Like, yeah. this was all filthy. It was all going to die. I was, it was just so wrong and I needed to leave it. Yes. The Holy and Spirit was convicting you. The Holy Spirit was convicting me and of my father sin. the Father drawing you. And the Father was drawing Jesus. me. Yes. But you have to be the one to go. Yes. And at that point I left and I remember it was like a cleansing happening in my life. Even though I wasn't yet born again, Mm -hmm. there was like this cleansing that I felt as I left that sin. I left everything in the apartment and I just put what I could fit in my car and I drove to California. 
It took me 16 hours, I think, to drive that whole drive. I did it in one shot because I was just done with everything there. And I wanted to move to this place where I I felt safe with my parents in California who were living Mm -hmm. in California at the time. So I moved to California and left everything behind in Arizona. Never moved back to Arizona either, thankfully. So when I moved to California, um, I wasn't born again yet. So, I mean, I definitely started going into sin again. That was a choice of mine. I, you know, didn't nurture those seeds that God was wanting to plant. I sort of started nurturing the seeds of the world and just kept listening to the same music and, you know, reformed a few things in my life, but I really wasn't yet to that point, that breaking point, you know? You polish up that your your sinful life a little bit and make it look a little bit better. Yeah. You kind of yeah. like spray some air freshener in the pig pen, Oof, basically. That's <laughs> that right. was exactly what I did. So that's a good um point. Yeah, so I sort of, you know, started that way and I, you know, was still going to the club, still partying, but there was different things that I felt like were being reformed in my life to a degree, but then I would go back. And anyways, I ended up going back to Arizona. I had still been in contact with the boyfriend there that I broke up with and whatever that I had lived with for a couple years. I went back, I visited him, I got pregnant. I had never gotten pregnant living there in sin for years. And, but this time I went back for a visit and I got pregnant and, you know, that changed a lot for me. Um, basically I knew that a lot of things were going to have to change in my life because now there's this new life in me and I, you know, didn't want to smoke. I didn't want to drink during my pregnancy. So why, why not though? Why not? Why, why didn't you just want to kill the baby? Like many women who get pregnant do. Well, I remember being faced with that choice too. Mm. And I remember um, not wanting to tell my parents for sure that I was pregnant. I was 19 at the time that I got pregnant. I did not want to tell my parents. And I was really afraid of what they would say um, when I knew that I was pregnant. And I just remember being really ashamed. But also at the same time, I had this conviction happening that I knew I could not kill this baby. I knew. I knew I couldn't do that. And it's not the baby's fault. No, it's not. And I had known a lot of friends, even in my really worldly state, that were single moms. Mm -hmm. And I sort of like saw them doing it somehow. And I thought, you know, if they can do it, I can do it. There's got to be a way, you know? And so I ended up having the baby. And my mother was there. The dad was not there. By that time, the the relationship was gone. And I remember during the pregnancy, though, I remember listening to Christian radio, and I was sort of like really feeding from that. You know, God was really working in my heart at that point. And I went to a, a church with my parents. The people at that church really surrounded me with love. They had a baby shower for me. I'm really thankful for those people. Yeah. Um, even the pastor, he is the one who introduced me to the church where I would later be born again through. Mm-hmm. So it was a step for me, you That's know, right. that was a step in the right direction. And, but, you know, I was still see- seeking something much deeper with the Lord than I was finding. I was really like listening to Christian radio. I was getting washed from certain sins when I was pregnant, but I wasn't still yet born again. Yeah. Not yet. So when did you come to that? breaking point to that breakthrough with the Lord mm, to yeah. where you truly were born again. Yeah. How'd well, that happen? So my precious little daughter that I was raising was mm. about two years old at this time. 
And I remember finding myself at a Calvary Chapel, Modesto, California, where God was starting to really touch my heart. Amen. I would put her in the little daycare and I would just sit there in the church. And I remember for weeks and weeks, I would go to this church and it felt like the, everything the pastor was saying was just hitting my heart specifically. Mm-hmm. The worship, everything, I would just sit there and cry. And, Amen. you know, coming from the background that I came from, crying was a sign of weakness. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't cry. Like, I wouldn't want to show that kind of weak emotion of crying, but it was here, this place, God was just letting me be completely vulnerable. Yeah. And the ice, the hardness from my heart was just melting through my eyes, and I would just have tears and tears and tears of brokenness every single week for weeks. And at one point, you know, God was just working, working, working on my heart. I was longing to go there. I I didn't want to meet anybody. This was just me and God. Yeah. You know, and I didn't want to meet friends. I didn't want anything to distract what was happening in my heart. I just had to go there. I was so, I was so hungry for God's word. And I would sit there and there was like this huge cleansing happening in my life. And I remember the pastor speaking about compromise at one point. And he shared a message about compromise and it spoke to me so deeply because he said, you know, if Paul would have compromised for the sake of this or for the sake of that, we wouldn't have half of the New Testament. Mm. He spoke about Paul, the exact thing that you shared, Amen. you know, and that was what hit my heart. Yeah. And I knew that I couldn't have one foot in with the church, one foot in with God and one foot in with the world. I knew I needed to make a decision. That message was what God used to totally break my heart. Hallelujah. And where I knew I couldn't compromise anymore for the mm. sake of this, for the sake of that. I remember that was the words the pastor said, you know, Paul could have compromised for the sake of this, for the sake of that, Oof. but he didn't do it. Thank and you, it resonated so deeply in my heart. Mm. And during the same time, the pastor was talking about how that if you beg God and cry out to God for his Holy Spirit, that that is a gift that he will not deny from you. And so I began begging God. And I said, God, I want your Holy Spirit. I need your Holy Spirit. And I would pray that over and over and over again. And it was like the first time I ever prayed it, he came into my life. It wasn't like I had to pray it over and over again, but I still did. Like, Lord, and every day I would find myself multiple times, and I still do this, multiple times during the day, Lord, please fill me with your Holy Spirit. I need your Holy Spirit. There's more of you than I could ever reach capacity for in my being, and I need more of you. That's right. And so I pray that all the time, you know, like, Lord, please fill me, fill me again. I need you to fill me again. And he answers that prayer. Amen. And he gets more of you. Yes. So being filled with his spirit is not only more of him, but it's him getting more of us. Amen. Amen. And after I was born again, I remember I was 22 years old and I remember being born again and filled with the Holy Spirit and the lights went on in my life. Mm. Like literally everything changed. Amen. The Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Christ in Romans chapter eight. And it says, if you don't have the Spirit of Christ, then you don't belong to him. Then mm. you are none of his. Right. So the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, when he comes, he will glorify me. Mm. He will lead people to Jesus. Yeah. So you didn't just ask for the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit led you to Jesus. 
right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So you had a revelation of Jesus, your Savior, and what he did for you and his love for you and, and all of that, even before you were begging for the Holy Spirit. Oh, yeah. 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 Everything. Why don't you share about that? Yes. Everything was about Jesus at Amen. that time. I mean, I would sit there and he was meeting me there. Amen. Things were coming alive that I had read about for years and years growing up in the church, you know, but it was coming, it was all coming alive to me now. Yes. And my experience with Jesus was like him meeting me, mm-hmm. you know, him wanting me, yeah. loving me and, and showing me his love in such a real way that I would just be melted in my heart. He was definitely just meeting me and showing up for me every single Sunday. I can't explain it any other way than it was so supernatural, the way that the messages were just cut out and designed exactly for my life during that season I was going through. Amen. So, you know, I wanted to be part of the witnessing team right away. I mean, that was just like, I had to share my testimony. I had to share with other people. Yes. I mean, (laughs) I was looking for someone in that church that was doing that. And I got connected with a group of believers. You got changed. Yes. Just like we were talking about. Right. Saul to Paul. Mm. You got changed. You had something to share. You had a story now, right? Oh, radically changed. And you know, even some of the friends that I was running with before, I was living that kind of compromised, like they would want me to go to the club on Sunday night. And I was like, no, I had this this conviction about that, that I wanted to live for the Lord now. But all my friends were worldly friends, you know, so I had to like ditch a bunch of friends. Mm-hmm. And that happened, thankfully. Come out from amongst them. Yeah. I remember telling them, you know, I'm sorry, I can't go to the reggae club with you tonight because if I can't bring my Bible there, then I don't belong there. Mm -hmm. And I tell them that. And and I remember telling them that specific, those specific words. And I got this like such a confused response and they never contacted me again. Yeah. You're a peculiar person now. (laughs) (laughs) You're a foreigner. No, but I knew that I had to have my Bible with me everywhere. And if I couldn't bring my Bible, I don't belong there. Amen. You know, if my Bible isn't welcome somewhere, I'm not welcome. That's right. You got to have the roadmap everywhere you go. I'm not compromising anymore. That's right. You know? And so I was just so excited, you know, to be with the Lord. And really my growth in the Lord happened very progressively over time, you know, especially being a part of that witnessing team and being a part of those believers. And that's where I met you. Amen. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) Uh, You were on that team. But, you know, that that was really where I started to grow in my relationship with God. And the Lord would give me, you know, if I was going the wrong way, the Lord would actually send me like visions and things and, and to stop me from going that way. You know, one time I remember I was sort of going the wrong way. And I remember God showing me clearly that I was in civilian clothes mm-hmm. and you were actually in that vision that God gave me, you and another brother were in like, and this was before God brought us together. So it's just amazing. We were just on the witnessing team. We were on the witnessing team. The testifying team. Yeah. and Actually, it was a SWAT crew, saved with a testimony, crucified, resurrected, eternal Eternal warriors. warriors. We were the SWAT crew. That's right. The SWAT crew. But (laughs) I remember two of the brothers, you and another brother from the SWAT crew Mm. were in this vision that I had. And basically you were walking, God was warning me that I was starting to like backslide because I was getting kind of off course, even as a Christian, new Mm -hmm. Christian, you know, but with the Holy Spirit now, he has like all these checks and balances and warnings for us. Because he's in you now. Yeah. Yeah. And so he gave me a vision and I saw you and this other brother walking across the street with supernatural strength really, Mm. really fast. And I was in civilian clothes. And we were in like 
like a soldier were, clothes. Oh yeah, that's right. You were in like military from yeah. head to toe, military, um, like a navy uniform or white uniform. I can't remember the color necessarily, mm-hmm. but you were like completely clothed in military attire. And I knew in my mind and my heart in that vision mm. that I was supposed to be dressed in the same, mm. but I wasn't. I was in my civilian clothes. And I had no strength and no power. And you guys walked across the street with supernatural, superhuman strength. And I was in like my own strength and I had no power. And I was walking like natural speed and I I couldn't hardly make it across the street. Wow. And God was warning me through that, that I needed to change the course that I was on, you know, as a believer now. Mm. That I was starting to go off track and and that gave me the fear of God again. I was like, oh, wait, I got to fix this, you know? And, you know, different things that God was doing, just he was now, it was like he was my shepherd. Amen. I love that I was in that vision. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. It's so, it's so precious. Because now it's even more special. Yes. Praise the Lord. Lord. I'm so thankful. So speaking of visions, I remember that you've shared with me many times about another vision that the Lord gave you. Do you remember that one? Yes, definitely. I think I might be in that one too. Yeah, actually you were. (laughs) (laughs) You know, when I first came to the Lord, that was something so amazing how he was giving me visions of different things a couple times that Mm. they were just so precious. You don't ever forget them. Mm. But um, this one, I actually had a vision. I was falling into a deep pit and this happened when I was in the middle of being awake and asleep. So it was like I wasn't asleep and I wasn't awake. I was kind of in that middle stage Mm -hmm. when this happened. But basically, I just was falling in a deep pit, you know, and all the things around me, all the people around me were just complete slime. And it was kind of like the quicksand that I was talking about earlier. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it was like I was falling and falling. And then Jesus appeared in the middle of the pit and everything I was trying to hold on to was slipping, 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 and I had no grounding under my feet. It was literally like the bottomless pit under me. Wow. And I was Scary. falling, and I couldn't stop myself from falling. And Jesus appeared in the middle of the pit, and he came down, and he dropped a rope to me from that white horse. And I clung on to that rope with everything in me. I knew this was my only chance out of the pit. I knew it was. And then as I clung to it, he started drawing me out of the deep pit, drawing me up, up, up with him. And I remember taking my eyes off all the things around me in the pit and just looking up to him and holding onto that rope for dear life. Wow. That's precious. And he was on a white horse and he was carrying me up. That's awesome. In all of his majesty, he was carrying me up out of that wicked, awful pit. Thank you, Lord. And I just kept my eyes on him and kept my hands on that rope. And then I remember... As I was coming up, there was a man that jumped from the side and he clung onto the rope with me and uh-huh. he carried us out together. Oh, yeah. And that was you, honey. Oh, and I didn't know it. That was like, that was years, <laughs> that was before I ever met you or before God ever brought us together for That's sure. Right. Yeah. Amen. So then that was something I clung onto for several years after that vision. I clung onto that and held onto that. And I thought, you know, God is going to bring me a man, a husband, and he's going to bring us out together. And I just kept holding wow. onto that vision that God gave me. Amen. And I remember- What a beautiful picture of marriage too. Yeah. Two oh. both clinging to Jesus together. So precious. Yeah. I know. And you know, in sign language- Trust is trust like clinging Jesus. to the rope. Yes, the, that's in sign right. language, remember? Yes, trust, trust. Trust is the is a picture of two hands holding on to a rope. Yes, that's so sweet. 
you know, and so after that, I was really holding on to that promise. And at the same time, God was providing for me, like in supernatural ways as a single mom, he provided things like a car. When I needed a car, I prayed with the elders at my church and God blessed me with a car for like, I want to say $300 or something crazy. Mm -hmm. I had like this very little amount of money and God blessed me with a car and he blessed me with so many different things. When I needed a kitchen table, God brought me a kitchen table. And I remember the pastor and the brother who delivered the kitchen table to me. And I remember how they knew I had a desire to have a husband. You know, I was a single mom and I kind of had this desire to be married to a godly man one day and, you know, to have a family. You know, that was a really strong desire on my heart. And the pastor came and he delivered the table one day. And he came and he talked to me. It was now I was going to a home church. So this was like a little home church pastor. He came to me and he said, you know what, sister? And these were like witnessing. This was the witnessing this is crew. The SWAT crew. This was the SWAT crew. We yeah, had a little right. church. We started, they started and yeah. it was like everybody was on fire for Jesus. And so he came and he said, he said, you know, sister, the same God that provided a car and a table and all these little things in your life, he's going to provide you with a husband too. Mm-hmm. And a father for your daughter, he's going to do that. And it was like the words that he said to me were so precious. Mm. I just felt so loved mm. hearing that from him. That was Jesus. It was Jesus yeah. speaking through him. Yeah. And I never forgot that. And then, you know, when God did the miracle of bringing us together, um, you know, there were so many things. He moved me from my little house in the ghetto into this apartment complex, which was four doors, literally same apartment complex as you, four doors down from each other. It was like so many things God was doing to put those pieces together that we could have never done that for ourselves. No. Like we could have never orchestrated all the ways that God was bringing us together to serve him and to minister together. And so, you know, the rest is history with our marriage and all the fruit that came from that and the beautiful things that God has done in our life since coming to him. That is just a huge story and testimony in and of itself. I could really write a book about all the amazing testimonies. Amen. It's not just history. It's now and future. Yeah. Amen. Oh, amen. (laughs) You know, and just how the Lord has brought us all over the world sharing the gospel and so much happening in our life because of Jesus. You know, and my life truly began the day that I surrendered everything to him. And, you know, I remember singing this song at the youth rallies all the time. Um, That song by Nicole C. Mullen. Mm -hmm. I know my Redeemer lives. I know my Redeemer lives. Let all creation testify. Testify. Let this life within me cry, I know my Redeemer lives. Amen, you know. I know, you know, and the person with a testimony is not at the mercy of the one with the argument. That's right. Because I know that my Redeemer lives. Like the Apostle Paul said, I know in whom I have believed. Yes. And I am persuaded that he's able to guard what I've entrusted to him Mm. until that day. Yes, amen. His day, amen. Amen, and there's one verse that God really used in my life that I want to share because it really is my testimony, Mm -hmm. and it's Romans 6, 13, and it says, and do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, 
but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. And it's such an honor for me after living my life for so many years for myself and for my flesh and for presenting my members as instruments of unrighteousness, how unworthy I am of the grace of God to even be a vessel and an instrument of righteousness that he can use now. But it's just such an honor to me to use my members as instruments of righteousness now and to really show the fruits of repentance in my life. You know, that's what I want my song to be, Mm -hmm. is a fruit of repentance to show the whole world that, you know what, this is a totally different person. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't even recognize the pictures of me now versus the pictures of me then. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't recognize the voice speaking Mm -hmm. because it's all about Jesus now. And that same person is not there. It's it's new. I remember that person. I remember that old person, but but I'm truly alive to the Spirit of God, and that person is dead. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. Amen. And I can testify to that as I get mm. to see you as a member of the body of Christ. Not only are your members of your body instruments of righteousness, but you yourself are a member of the body of Christ. Mm. And I get the honor of seeing you as a member of Christ, using your members no longer for sin, but mm. for righteousness. Yes. And I get to see that every day. Mm. And I get to see that as you serve the Lord with the ministry that the Lord's given us with Adoption Airfare. Mm. I see you serving his people going all over the world. And I see that. I see Christ in you. Mm. And so it's a blessing for me to be able to be one with you Mm. and for us to be on that rope together, trusting Jesus together. And so I just want to continue to hold on to Jesus. Mm. And uh, us hold on to each other. Yes. And that cord of three strands is not easily broken. Mm. Right? Amen. <laughs> we're yes. one with him. Hallelujah. The two become one and we're one with God. So we're not alone. Mm. And so that's what God wants for everyone listening. Mm. Yes. He wants you to trust him. Yes. And he'll pull you up out of any horrible pit mm. that you might be in. And he'll set your feet upon a rock and he'll put a new song within you, a song of praise to our God, and many will see it and fear and turn to the Lord. That's what Psalm 40 says. Yes. Amen. That's exactly what I was going to say. Amen. We're one. the exact words that I was going to say right there. Psalm 40. I I wanted to not forget to share that that vision came from Psalm 40, and you said it. The Lord didn't let you forget. Thank you, honey. Because he remembers all things. He knows all things, I should say. He knows all things, and he helps us remember all things he wants us to remember. Well, and that just shows me. That's the Holy Spirit living in you. Thank you, Lord. To testify that out of your mouth, exactly what I was going to say. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. And remember, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. He has everything under control. So look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. Amen. 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 And may the Lord bless you as you seek him today. Maranatha. Thanks for listening to Spirit of Adoption Radio. You can reach us through our website, adoptionairfare.com. Also, please subscribe and leave us a review on the listening platform of your choice. Lord willing, we'll see you next time. Maranatha, 